0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at
1: SoundTalentMedia.com.
0: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at CiampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural.
4: What's up, guys, guys and girls? This is the three AM podcast. My name is Sean. My name is Charlie. My name's Lil Nas X. Hey, oh. what's going on? What are, what are your thoughts, <laughs> bro? So we watched that video last night, and <laughs> all I could think was, "The f- is going on."
3: <laughs> I'm all for like you do your thing, but it was like flagrant, and I I guess I'm a prude because I'm like I don't know about like. But I don't know, it's art, and it's his. It's like, I clicked on the link, so hold on. Does anyone have a good, nuanced
1: thought on it? My favorite thing is how he's handling it. What's he doing? Well, he's gotten a ton of backlash because of the music video and the sneakers. Have you heard of the sneakers? Yeah, I was like, okay. I've seen, but I haven't heard. for all of you who haven't, so Lil Nas X just put out a new single called Montero. Uh, with that came a music video, and he did a collab with a streetwear brand from New York called Misfit, and they put out a pair of sneakers. And the sneakers were Nike Air Maxes. They're all black with some red trim, and you know how some shoes have like within the laces. Jordans have like the plastic,
4: yeah, yeah, kind of
1: uh, it tightens the laces or holds them in place. So something like that. With this, it was a metal uh, pentagram. (laughs) And in the soles of the shoes, all of the people who collabed on this project collected their blood, got one drop, and put it
4: in each sole of the shoe. See, that's the only picture I saw, but I was not looking close enough at this. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a drop of actual
1: human blood in the soles of the shoe. There's a pentagram. They made 666 uh, pairs and they sold out, you know, it's streetwear. So they sell out in minutes. And then people resell it for 10 times as much.
4: I mean, to each his own.
1: Yeah. So Lil Nas X has gotten a ton of backlash, especially from uh, far right wing conservatives and Christians (sighs) for all of this. And he's been handling it really well, in my opinion. Okay. I have a thought on it now.
3: (laughs) My thought is, art is art. Create what you want. And like, it's up to the other person if they want to partake of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how people on the left and people on the right, the right is like, oh, you like little sissy cancelers. You guys cancel everything, which is like true. Like, you say one wrong thing, you're gone, right? But then people on the left are like, you old crusty Republican, like all you want to do is cancel everything like rap and, you know what I mean, video games and movies. True. Everyone's
1: just canceling everything. I think everyone needs to calm the F down. Yeah, yeah. I think everyone needs to chill. Um, But the way he's been handling it has been phenomenal just through a series of tweets and interviews. Obviously, all the outlets and uh, journalists are asking him, you know, about his thoughts
4: on everything i mean you had to expect there would be some questions oh for sure for sure putting out a video like that his he he put out a tweet
1: one of many that said y'all love to say that we're all gonna go to hell but get mad when we actually go there because <laughs> in the video he's like twerking and like twerking like on the devil
4: lab dance to the devil yeah. that's
1: what i get is like why are you upset it's like
3: it, it, it has nothing to do with you. That's true. Unless you make it have something to do with you. Yeah, It's crazy
1: how what is considered devil worship like is so broad and vague. Mm. Remember the monster video and, and monster energy drink? Uh, uh, oh, yeah. You drink monster, you're a devil worshiper. <laughs> you listen to certain genres of music. You attend a rave or you listen to rock music uh, or metal, you're a devil worshiper. You wear... A certain color you wear black you have black nail polish you're a devil worshiper it's like yes in this video there's actually a devil that he's twerking <laughs> on yeah but if you watch till the end he does kill the devil so, <laughs>
2: so like and actually he's our he's our ally his devil savior. was worshiping him
4: Ooh.
3: <laughs> yeah call me a prude but like it's not even homophobia like I would be uncomfortable to watch that video if it was a girl doing that to the devil. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cuz I think there is a narrative. Where it's like, "Oh, you're homophobic if you're not with it." But it's like, "Nah, dude, I just like <laughs> it's pretty aggressive like it is pretty simulation aggressive. of sex. It's out there. I mean. And he's like making eye contact. Where he's like <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> which is like, "Yeah, um it's kind yeah. of makes me
1: uncomfortable." My like I my opinion is people like Lil Nas X and Cardi B, all these people, they can do whatever they want. I like to the extent of they don't have to make content for my children. Like they don't have to cater to, you know, my children growing up. I prefer they don't. (laughs) Yeah. People will say, well, you're being a bad example for the kids. What's like, why are they the example that, you know, like (laughs) why don't you choose somebody else to be an example? Like they can choose how to use their time and resources, how they want to.
3: Well, like we don't make this podcast for little kids. Like when I heard out my, I heard my six-year-old nephew was listening, I was like, yeah, he probably shouldn't because, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, they don't make their art for little kids, so it's on the parents to parent (laughs) and decide what your kid takes in, you know what I'm saying? But, okay, what do you think about, like, the shock value of it? Because for me, uh, I have a buddy who went to art school and, like, first day of art school in the syllabus, he was like, all right, let's address something right away. If it has to do with bodily fluids, don't do it. It's been done. It's because every artist is like, "Ooh, how do, you know, how do I like get the most amount of shock? Oh, I'll use semen or blood or spit or hair." And he's just like, "Whatever it is, it's been done." You know what I'm
1: saying? Yeah. At one point, it's it's gimmicky. Yeah, like I and watched that, the video. I
3: watched Cardi B, and I'm like, "You're just trying to like get people to like, yeah, scoff or
1: scorn." Yeah. And that line isn't very far <laughs>
3: for some people. Yeah,
1: <laughs> true. <laughs> like. The line of where it starts being gimmicky and it's like, okay, well, what makes this ass-shaking video different from every other ass-shaking video? Mm. Uh, yeah. That's why what, what I don't get when they're like, especially
3: with Eminem when they're like, yo, he's problematic because he said this. I'm like, have you seen a movie, like a rated R movie? <laughs> it's like they simulate killing people all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like they depict it. How is that different? Because Eminem said it. And then, like, in John Wick, it's actually happening over and over.
4: You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's yeah.
3: so stupid. I don't
1: know. It's weird. There, There's a lot of factors, obviously.
4: I think we're all in agreement. Art is art. You do you. But it's on you what you choose to, like, consume as far as art. That's what I'm saying. I'm be honest, I wouldn't even have known this thing existed if you guys didn't put it on. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, do you do you. That's what I'm saying. The shoes are kind
1: of fly, though. Dude, the shoes are fly. <laughs> I have that same pair of Air Maxes. I wear them all the time.
3: To me, they're they're pretty fly. But I would see them and kind of think like, "Okay, you know." I, well, it, it <laughs> like, is like it, sick pentagram. It, yeah, oh, okay, it's just
1: uh, it's just oh, I know what I was gonna. Say. It's just edge lord humor. Yeah, and yeah. And I think uh, people now get huge satisfaction from stirring the pot. I yeah. get that, you know.
3: Oh, bro, <laughs> I have the biggest ladle. now <laughs> when it exact, comes to stirring that exactly. pot, I
1: love <laughs> raspberries. But when it comes to when people start getting down to the wire and like this is serious, yeah, we're talking about God and children, yeah, and it's like this is sacred. Okay, yeah. I, I think uh, I think everybody can do better than pissing off the other side, like. I just did it to own the libs (laughs) or I did it to piss off the conservatives. It's like, well, now we're all 10 years old. Yeah. You know, it's so strange to me. It's like, it's funny. Like I said, I love it. But at some point when it, uh, like, we'll have to approach, like, I wish the tenacity shown towards these sneakers and this music video was applied to, like, actual evil things like child sex rings and human trafficking and it's like yeah
3: it's weird how that stuff just gets swept under the rug sometimes you know yeah
4: (laughs) yeah dude epstein didn't kill himself exactly (laughs) that's what i'm
3: saying
1: see i just think there's matters that uh require way more of our attention yeah (laughs) okay
3: kind of going along with that i would like to think That all topics, as long as it's good natured, you're kind of allowed to make fun of, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, we live in a world where there's like several topics you cannot touch because you will be destroyed. But especially within our group, friend group, privately, we make fun of everything. You know, everything catches hands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you want to do that without hypocrisy, you have to be willing to like everything about your identity to also be made fun of. Like, you can't say, like, oh, I, I won't make fun of that because that's sacred. Well, it's like, well, then you you shouldn't make fun of anything because it's probably sacred to someone. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So is there anything within your guys' character or nature that is, like, you kind of feel like you would take umbrage to? Does that make sense, what I'm asking? Yeah. Because for me, there is. There's a couple things where, like, I I get defensive. Yeah. And I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to, like, really stop myself from being so super defensive and, like, understand, like disassociate my identity to like maybe those characteristics and not like get pissed off when people make fun of it. I don't care if you make fun of Asians for the most part. <laughs> if you make fun of Mormons, I'm like, as long as it's not like hate, but if you're trying to clown and joke, I'm like, okay with it for the most part. Right. Specific topics. I'm like, tell me so that I know what to make fun of you. next. Bro, time like for. I get made fun <laughs> of for everything. Anyways, I, Sean's like, I really hate being made fun of being homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. You and I'm me are made like, fun
4: oh, shit. The red one running back into the side of the house with my car. Being poor, being poor, yeah. eating onion grass, dude. Yeah, I get. Yeah, we clowned. need to chill on. I chill
1: get. On, get on. I get clowned on for <laughs> skin color and my. Yeah, because you're not choices. brown enough, you whitey. With, my um, like, yeah, life choices with career, school, <laughs> yeah. or lack of career and lack of school. Oh, yeah. My uh, life, too. <laughs> you know? Ankl- I don't know. I think ankles, too. Yeah. Physical ailment.
4: <laughs> I mean, I really don't think there is anything that is off limits in our, in our like, private friend group. Am I happy about that? Yeah. <laughs> Me, too, kind of. Yeah. yeah. I don't think in, what, how long have we been friends?
1: Seven years, at least. Yeah. Sean and I, 10, yeah. 11. There, I don't think there hasn't been anything that hasn't been touched. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) No, but maybe I'm just saying this because, like, I don't want to Did you want to
4: tell us something, though, that you didn't want to be made fun of?
3: No, it's just been on my mind. Oh, yeah. I'm like, can you guys please stop um, making fun of how I stutter or can't talk sometimes? (laughs) Dude, I always do this. In editing, you become really familiar with how we speak. And so really quickly I realized
1: I go like this, uh, (laughs) when I'm like looking for a word, I'm like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) bro, I'll open up, I'll open up to the most recent time that I got pissed at you guys for, uh, just grilling me. And it wasn't even, it was like a light, it was like a microwave. It wasn't an actual open flame. Uh, (laughs) we were at your house and we were just talking about, I don't know, just talking. And I was like, oh Yeah. I had that com- same conversation earlier today with this kid at work. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs>
3: Wait, I kind of remember
1: this. And then I kept, like, everything you we You brought him about, up, like, seven it, times. It was, like, the exact same thing. It was just kind of blowing my mind. I was like, I literally had this same conversation. I said it over and over again. And, and then, then later
3: on in the conversation, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, I, t- I,
1: I talked about this as well with him. And then everyone was like, so did you talk to him about this? Or like. <laughs> Yeah, y'all be talking, you know. <laughs> and I like hated you guys, and I like hated myself <laughs> for the rest of my life. Like, why am I like this? I hate it. Uh, <laughs> mm. oh.
3: <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, Sean got flamed when we said he rolled a one.
4: Remember? Oh yeah, actually, We're like, I we did can't it. make fun of that. <laughs> I I get it. It's a sensitive topic. (laughs) Dude, do you know how much health I lost from that (laughs) stupid (laughs) roll? What? When we were playing d Oh, yeah, for real. Rolling that effing one. Sometimes I get
3: annoyed if someone, like, corrects me and I feel like it didn't ultimately matter. Like, when I'm like, dude, there was, like, six of them. And they are like, no, there was actually four. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) like, that doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Bro. I don't know if that pertains, but... (laughs) And I do that all the time because I'm such an exaggerative person. Oh, you do that like some of the time. Every (laughs) Good one, mate. (laughs) No, but I guess what I'm saying is out there, if you're listening to this podcast especially, we're probably going to make fun of something you love at one point. No, it's mostly love. (laughs) And so maybe don't get pissed, but like try to understand we're just friends trying to have a fun time.
1: Yeah, we're sorry. You're just sensitive. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Maybe grow the f*** up. I don't know. Stop being a baby. But I realized we need to kind of rebrand just a tiny bit and just say we are a comedy podcast that tells scary stories. Because once you do that, then you you're just like, you want, dude, dude,
4: that's comedy. We were just being <laughs> comics. That's just jokes, bro. Bro, it's like that South Park episode where uh, the, little, the fat kid has Tourette's just so he can say stuff. Yeah, and he does it so long. It's Cartman, by the way. Cartman,
3: And he does it so long and so hard that he loses his filter and he starts actually saying secrets. (laughs) And so he keeps going, me my cousin touched wieners. (laughs) That's funny. You should go watch it.
1: Oh, yeah. I clearly have it.
3: All in all, it's like, why does it matter? If you don't like it, turn it off. True. I don't understand that. Like the people who are like, you know, this is going to corrupt the minds of, like, America. It's like, just don't watch it and ask your kids not to watch it and maybe have trust in them, I guess, if you really care that much.
1: Yeah. There's so much power given to those people you don't like. Yeah. Or those things you don't agree with.
3: I think that kind of goes hand in hand with, like, magic, voodoo, and, like, dark stuff, too. It's like, if you give it a shit ton of
1: power, it's
3: only going to have more power.
1: Right. (laughs) So I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lil Nas X said in another tweet, That he's not Christian. So the devil to him is just a character in a book like Dracula.
3: Or like Voldemort. (laughs) I don't know why your example wasn't good enough. I had to do nothing.
1: (laughs) Or like, Try to one down me? Yeah. (laughs) How can I make this worse? (sighs) But yeah, so that makes sense. I don't know. Nice pep talk.
3: Guys, we're doing all right. I'm proud of each of you. And I'm proud of us, man. We're doing all right. I hope you're proud of yourselves. Listeners. Speaking of. <laughs>
1: what else we got? I don't know. Yeah. So currently there are a bunch of French monks locked in their monastery praying for their cheese. So this comes from uh, the Guardian, reputable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <swords>. <laughs> and this monastery doubles as a cheese making joint. <laughs> And uh, they, like, w- they've won a ton of awards in past years, at, like, in Lyon, in France, and as uh, known in the cheese community as, you know, being really good cheese. But since the pandemic, their sales have gone down, and their cheese is going bad. So oh, no. So the monastery was like, hey, stop the religion. Let's go into the factory. Focus on the cheese. And we're going to pray <laughs> for our sales.
3: They're like, it's time to focus on Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> They all like flip their robes inside out. And it's, yeah. like another, it's
1: like another reversible robes. <laughs> Throw their cheese head things on. Yeah. Um, the funniest part in this article is so the head, the head priest or whatever said, we tried explaining to our seventy five cows that they needed to produce less milk, but they don't seem to have understood.
4: Oh. <laughs> I think he's confused himself with Doctor Doolittle. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how?
3: That's hilarious. What kind mm-hmm. of
1: cheese do you think they make? I don't know. But they probably tried some. to tell the cows to calm their
3: tits. <laughs> <and> didn't work. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, what kind of cheese do you do you think they make? Holy cheese. Damn it. Yeah. I was going to say Swiss because it's, it, it's holy. Because it's holy. <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> holy
1: cow. <laughs>
3: <laughs> All right. If you have any listeners still, um, go look this up. It's a um, it's a real it's a
2: real
1: <laughs> urgent matter in the world right now. <laughs> uh, it, it's not anymore. You don't need to send your thoughts and prayers because they sold out.
4: Oh, oh! Nice. I forgot to
1: mention it was two point eight tons of cheese. Damn! So it wasn't like a fridge full. <laughs>
3: it was a shit ton. Of full. <laughs> yeah, dude.
1: Okay, well that's good. Re- re- Con- resol- resolution. Congrats. True. Congrats. <laughs> yeah, they. uh... I think they talked about like their head marketing monk. <laughs> nice. What the hell is happening? Like, who grows up? <laughs> like I work for a marketing agency. I double in uh Oh, what agency? Uh the Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> but I specialize in the cheese uh the sector. cheese department. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that to sell all that cheese to get more cheddar, you know. <laughs> more jokes, more jokes, cheese jokes. <laughs>
3: They're like Cheese whiz We have a big problem On our hands Let's create a
1: Gouda <laughs> I'm done They're like This problem stinks Cause it's cheese Cause it's cheese <laughs> Who cut the cheese in it. Uh,
3: Parmesan Um uh, What else uh, Cheddar sharp. Anyway, got nothing. Cool. That's fun. (laughs) Thanks for taking that up, DJ. (laughs) I actually did enjoy that.
1: Happy. We're happy for them.
3: Should we roll? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right. Now we roll our 20-sided die to see in what order we tell our stories. Highest number goes first.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small
0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: We all rolled. Sean got a six. DJ got a three. And Charlie got an 11. Sweet. Guys, tonight, I want to play a little game. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I have three stories. Two of which I have proof for. You ever play that game? Sorry, you ever play that game when you're getting to know each other? It's like, exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that the third one is a lie. I just don't have, like, solid evidence for it. Okay. So I'm going to tell the three, and you guys tell me what you think, okay? Okay. Don't look at my notes. So this first one is about young kid. He had a paper route, and this is back before the internet was everywhere. So it was quite a while ago. He had his normal route where he went, and without any troubles, he said it was a really fun time in his life. Okay. He's on route one day when one of his regulars, he recognizes, pulls up right by him and says, hey, would you mind just giving uh, my paper like directly to me? I'm not going to be here for a while, so you can just hand it off. And he said, yeah, not a problem, Mr. Robinson, or whatever it was. Handed him the paper. The guy drove away. And he gets down the road, sees Mr. Robinson's house, and just skips it. Keeps going. Next day is collecting day. He had to manually go once a week to everyone's house and ask him to pay, like, can you please pay your $2? Dude, I've heard of people, like, talk about when they had a paper route and, like, some asshole, like, wouldn't pay them, you know, and they always had to, like, hassle this 40-year-old man, like, please just pay me the $2, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so he's doing this. He's going house to house, asking for the fee. Gets all the way down to the Robinsons, knocks on the door, and the wife opens. He's like, hi, Mrs. Robinson, I'm here to collect the fee. And immediately she goes, hey, um, I just want to make sure we didn't get a paper yesterday. And since we're paying, I just want to make sure we get it every day and it, it gets delivered. You know, it's your job. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry. Must have not told you. Um, Mr. Robinson met me on the road. I gave him the paper because he said he, wasn't, he was going to be gone for a while. Immediately this has an effect. She breaks down into tears and is sobbing. And she says, is this like a, what are you talking about? Is this a joke? And he's super confused. And she says, Mr. Robinson passed away last month. There's no way you talked to him yesterday. Our friend is left speechless. Says like, I'm, I, I'm so sorry. Like, don't worry about the fee. I'm really sorry. I, I don't. And
1: left. Oh, so he really will be gone for a while. <laughs> yeah.
3: um, he said he left confused. But he knows what he saw. He's like, I 100% talked to him. And for 30 years, I still don't know what actually
4: happened. You know what really begs the question, though, is can ghosts use automobiles?
3: I don't know. You tell me. That's,
4: that was my question. I don't have an answer.
3: <laughs> Next story. Jeremy, also a young kid. All three of these are about young children. Interesting.
2: <laughs>
3: anyway. Jeremy is a young kid. He has his own room now. It's kind of a new thing. He's super excited about it. It's like summertime. It's a little warm. And he's getting ready for bed. Goes to bed. Loves his new room. Loves his bed. Passes out almost immediately. Sometime in the middle of the night, he wakes up. But he doesn't open his eyes right away. And he doesn't know why he woke up. And as he's lying there, he can see through the lids of his eyes A flickering of a light, which takes him a minute to kind of comprehend because he's like just stirring out of sleep, right? So he opens his eyes and he looks and he can see in his once pitch black room that he fell asleep in, there seems to be a source of light flickering. So he gets up and he looks around and as he looks to the front or the end of his bed, he sees where the light is coming from. It's coming from a candle. And that candle is held by a man who's standing at the edge of his bed, staring at him and smiling. Immediately tear through his entire body, almost paralyzes him. But before he's completely immobile, he's able to grab his thin blanket, his sheet, and put it over his head.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Safe.
3: But under the protection of his thin blanket, he can see the flickering still. He thinks, I should call for dad. He's so terrified, he can't even move, let alone scream. So he lies there all night, watching this candle flicker. Until finally, the room starts getting lighter, and the flickering starts going down. Eventually, his room's full of light. He knows it's, it's got to be past six. 7 a.m., close to, like, when he might wake up normally. And he thinks, I have to do, I have, like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to get up, and I'm going to run as fast as I can to the door and try to get to my parents. So he thinks, one, two, three. Jumps up. The man's not at the foot of his bed, but he doesn't know if he's gone. So he sticks with the plan, sprints to his parents' room, tells dad, 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 dad. You know, has to wake him up. What? What? What the hell's going on? There's someone in my room. There's someone in my room. When he finally convinces his dad, his dad goes goes and searches the room. There's no one in there. But the dad does say, there is a puddle of wax at the foot of your bed. And nothing ever happened. That was his experience. Uh. Story three. Katie... This is a story about Katie. Katie's hanging out with her cousins. It's the holiday. So young and old, from 9 to like 17, they're all hanging out in this room. And scary stories start, which is like my favorite. I loved when that happened. Katie's pretty young, so she's just kind of hanging out being quiet, listening to all these stories. When one of her older cousins says, have you guys heard about that lady down the street? All of their cousins go, no, what are you talking about? The lady down the street, she went crazy. She woke up one night, walked into her kitchen, grabbed a knife, came back into her bedroom, and stabbed her boyfriend over and over and over. And she skinned him, cut his body up, and tried to feed his body to the dogs. And when the cops came, they went into the house, and the walls were all covered in blood. And they sent her to prison. But, some say she escaped. She might be out there. Katie heard that story and said she was wrecked. So scared. She's like, I, I seriously consider becoming a vegan. It was like the grossest thing in the world to me. And I think when you're young and you hear like that level of violence, like humans are capable of that, it's like so shocking. You're like, you've never considered like, what? Stabbed like more than once? That's what? Like, oh, yeah. Anyway. Those are the stories. What do y'all think? So we have the newspaper, the candlelight, or the stabbing. Newspaper fake.
4: My vote goes to candlelight.
3: Mm -hmm. Being fake.
4: Well, just the one that you can't.
3: Yeah, and it's not necessarily fake. I just don't have evidence.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Okay, so you say paper route, Mm -hmm. and you say candlelight. Yes. Okay, we'll start with the stabbing. In the year 2000 in Australia, dude, the cousin wasn't lying. This actually happened in Australia, but they got a couple details wrong. Catherine Mary Wright, born in Australia, sentenced to life imprisonment without parole. In February of 2000, she stabs her partner 37 times. She does skin him. And the part that they got wrong is... She then put the skin on meat hooks and cooked his head and parts of his body with the intention of feeding them to his children. Oh. So it wasn't the dogs, it was the kids that she intended to. Doesn't say if she followed through. They probably. Omitted that because maybe she didn't. They were like, we got to protect these kids. Yeah. You don't wow. come back for that.
1: Like, Bone appetite.
3: Yeah, oh, it's, like,
1: it's like, Mark
3: is slow. And it's like, dude, Henry ate his fucking dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you don't you don't come back from that. But that one is 100% true. Australia, this chick stabbed her boyfriend. I don't know what's going on. I don't know any of the backstory. I didn't want to read all of it. The point is, is it's true.
4: Damn. <laughs> <laughs> all
3: right. Next, the one I have proof for. The candlelight prowler was an actual dude who got arrested and sentenced also in Australia, dude. Bunch of creepers. But he mainly, it's not as salacious as a story, but he did break into homes. He did use candlelight for like his light, which is so odd to me. (laughs) He like used the candle to like find his way around. And he just What year is this? I know. Well, it's Australia, so probably like 2019, they just got flashlights. I'm just kidding. Um, 2001. Anyway, he he just did like a lot of petty crimes where he stole like money, credit cards and pins and things like that. And unfortunately, he did go into one home. There was two young girls sleeping in a bed and he assaulted them. Yeah. And then in court, he like made it super clear. He's like, I'm not a pedophile. I just... I just assaulted them because they were there. And everyone's like, what? Like, dude,
1: no. Choma. Yeah. So funny. Yeah, Choma for real. Uh, it's funny to watch people jump through hoops. Yeah, it's like,
3: oh, no, I killed him, but I'm not like a bad guy or anything. Like like
1: the mental gymnastics <laughs> people do yeah. to justify.
3: Everyone was like, uh, go fuck yourself, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so that leaves the third one, the paper route. It doesn't mean it's not true. Like the guy swears it's true. I just don't have any proof for it. So, well played, guys. Good job. <laughs> Who won? DJ, is that you? DJ. Oh. Mm. But anyway, I just wanted to share a couple random stories, and I thought it was kind of cool that some of them were had evidence. You know what Straight I mean? up, yeah. Like real cases. Ugh. But I wish I had more. I don't. Perfect. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Good. I just want to shout out uh, the people I got these stories from. The newspaper one is from Evian Chef. The candlelight one was from Zibumps. And uh the Catherine Knight one, the stabby one was from Captain Katie Clark. So anyway, thank you for the
4: little prompts. Shout stories. out.
3: Appreciate it. Sean, you up next? Yep. Dude,
4: thanks, Charles. Thanks. Thanks. No worries. So this week I have a pretty good story for you guys. It comes out of Arkansas. Mm. I'd hope so. Yeah, dude. A lot of creepy stuff going down there. Have either of you been to Arkansas or Missouri or anywhere near the Ozarks? I have not. I've been to St. Louis. To St. Louis. So a couple hours away. Now, and did you, either of you watch Ozark, the show? Yes. I saw episode one. That's it. Okay. So like a little bit of the landscape there, just mountainous, kind of similar to like a Great Smoky Mountains vibe, just dark, a lot of fog and mist, that kind of vibe. So in the Ozarks, there is a legend, there's a folklore of something called the Ozark Howler. Have you heard of that? Go ahead. As I know, teach us. So the Ozark Howler is a legend, folklore from the Ozark Mountain region that dates back to even the 1800s. There's stories of even someone as famous as Daniel Boone coming across an Ozark Howler. Now, what an Ozark howler is, is allegedly some sort of cat-like creature with glowing red eyes about the size of a bear with prominent horns. There's also stories of this creature being able to be invisible. And there's even stories of it being similar to like A hellhound or stories from Scotland where if you hear its howl three times, that's a sign of death coming on you.
1: Dude, is this not like every jungle cat? Dude. Every panther or leopard just lurking?
4: That's actually... that's Except it can go invisible, dude, (laughs) which is so unfair. You can't see (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) There are actually like a lot of people who have said, yeah, it could be just an unknown cat species in the region, potentially even like a cougar or something like that, but there are also apparently studies that show there aren't any, like, groups of cougars or cats in the area. There'll be, like, a single one here or there. So maybe it could be something like that. Here is an artist's depiction. Oh, hell yeah, brother. Of what the Ozark Howler looks like.
3: Damn! First of all, that's like a D&D. It it looks extremely...
1: Comes from like the Book of Monsters.
4: Oh, yeah. Dude, that is terrifying. This is another one. Looks Ooh. like a Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. <laughs> Something it, like that. <laughs> it, it looks, looks like a the sexy beast scar. Yeah, yeah, it does look like a beast. Dude, yeah. it kind of does. Yeah, the beast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So that's the kind of depiction there of the Ozark Howler. Hmm. So my story comes from someone named Sam, who grew up in the Ozarks region. His father grew up in the Ozarks region. And Northern Arkansas, to be specific, Northeastern Arkansas. And his grandfather and great grandfather, their long line of growing up here in the Ozark Mountains. In fact, they've built themselves a cabin out here, just in the mountains. And it seems like they're pretty self sufficient, based on what Sam tells me. And his story comes from one winter night where he and his dad, he's about 21. Hmm. He and his dad head out to go chop some wood. It's cold winter night, so there's a little bit of snowfall. And yes, I had to look it up, but there is snowfall in Arkansas. (laughs) Yes, I don't immediately think of that. Same. I was was, was like, really? But yes, there was some snowfall. They had to chop some wood to heat up the house. And like they're out in the middle of the woods, out in the mountains. So they will hear animal noises, howls in the forest as well most of the time he says he can tell if it's like a like a cougar or or like a fox or something like that as they're out there chopping woods or chopping wood he says to his dad maybe we should go hunting here pretty soon they went hunting quite a lot they actually provided for themselves by doing that and his dad's like yeah let's go ahead and go hunting we can actually head out right now it's kind of twilight so it's getting dark but they head inside they let Sam's stepmom know where they're headed. And he has two younger siblings as well. They're all staying at home. They grab a couple guns. Sam says that when they do go out hunting, he always goes hunting with his crossbow as well and hunting knife. So they head out into the woods on a trail that they're both pretty familiar with. Hmm. They're just going to try and find if they can like find a deer. And... It's strange because they notice that this year specifically, they haven't really seen a whole lot of deer, which is weird because typically there's a lot of deer in the region. Now they head out on this trail. It is kind of getting dark and Sam notices it kind of feels a little bit weird. Like he doesn't hear the typical animal noises. It kind of seems pretty quiet. He says at one point, really, all he can hear is his heartbeat and the sound of their feet in the snow until he hears a howl. He hears this howl. He immediately stops in his track, thinking, what the hell is that? Hmm. He looks over at his dad, and he voices his concern. (laughs) What was that? And his dad's like, I have no idea, but it's best we probably stay quiet if we're trying to catch a deer tonight. So they just kind of quiet down and keep walking. And he says his dad is like one of those people, and maybe we look up to our dads in different ways, but he looked up to his dad as this guy who was fearless. And if his dad was willing to continue this hunt, he felt confident, yep. though he could tell his dad's hands were shaking as he said. I have no idea. Uh, I have no idea, son. Hey, yeah, we're good. Let's keep going. <laughs> so they keep going. They get to an opening in the forested area to this open field. And then hear this ha- sound coming from their left or on the other side of the field. As they look towards it, they see a buck coming out of the forest. So Sam strings up his crossbow, takes aim, lets it go hits the buck. The buck gets hit but isn't immediately dead, so it continues to run off into the field. They uh, follow it to somewhere in the middle of the field where it's kind of just laying there at this point, still in pain, so he takes out his hunting knife and puts it out of its misery. As that happens, they hear something coming from the right side of the field, and it sounded kind of like a low growl. And so they both look over, and they're just kind of just scanning the edge of the forested area to see if they can tell what it is. They don't immediately see anything. So his dad picks up the buck and like, let's go ahead and get home. Hmm. Throws it over his shoulder, and they start heading back. He says as they're walking home, every couple of steps, he can hear a couple of steps behind them. Like every couple of feet, he can hear another something following behind them. And he looks over at his dad, and his dad says, Just keep going. If you don't acknowledge it, we can make it back safe. So they keep walking, just slowly but steadily headed back home. And they weren't too far away. They're out in the woods anyway, so they didn't have to go very far. They make it to the opening where their cabin is at. When Sam looks back, and this time he sees something kind of going across the trail, he sees this giant creature he said it looked like it was about the size of a bear and it was just walking across the trail right behind them just a couple of yards his dad looks back at him he says run Hmm. so as they're already at the opening where their cabin is they both sprint towards the house and as they're sprinting they get to the house just barely throw open the door run inside and close it as something hits the door with brute force And it's then scratching and, like, pawing at the door. So his dad runs and gets his stepmom and the siblings and takes them upstairs where they might be safe and then runs back down, like, to help out. Now, Sam, he goes and takes one of the guns. He goes up to the second floor to his bedroom and just opens the window to see if he can scare it off. He's going to shoot at it. He looks down, and he can tell clearly... Whatever it is, looks like it's the size of a bear, but has clear horns on its head. And as it looks up, has these red glowing eyes. So Sam takes a crack shot at it, and he swears he hits it. He hears this howl once again as whatever it is was hit by his bullet. It kind of like growls and howls there for a second and then runs off into the woods. Sam runs back down to his dad, who is still at the door, and they open it, and they can see the damage that was done to the door with all of the claw marks. They examine the outside snow as well, and they can see the footprints, and as they're looking around, Sam swears that he hit whatever it was, but doesn't see any blood, nothing, as he followed the footsteps as far as he felt comfortable outside the house. That was Sam's experience with the Ozark howler. He has never seen it again, but then again there are tales of it being invisible. Yeah. So what could be in the cabin now? Oh my god.
3: Dude, that's a fun story. That's like a fun classic cryptid.
4: Yeah, no. And I've heard one other story of the Ozark Howler from another podcast. Really? Oh, is it the campfire one? The campfire one. And that one goes into a story where it was actually more invisible in it. Huh. Which was more like it's scary. Bro, I don't f with the invisibility. That sucks. That's so unfair. So much,
3: so much. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, "All right, whatever. Like, just kill, kill me." me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like I'll we were talking up.
1: about, we were talking about last week, uh, the dreams, like falling asleep. Like that's so unfair. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, I can't yeah. sleep again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I die if I sleep. Well, that's why. I, that's why I have a hard time with
3: aliens because it's like, it's just you know so beyond us yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> it's like there's not even a fighting chance it just sucks
4: <laughs> oh yeah but that's a fun one i like that if you heard that as a kid holy shit it would be terrifying <laughs> yeah. i mean if i were to hear that in the ozarks at this point i would still be like sketched out like looking around that
1: sounds like a howler monkey dude
4: dude yeah the sound
1: just a guttural primal scream
4: <laughs> kind of does yeah. yeah just echoing
1: through the mountains
4: yeah. Wild. Super creepy. If you heard that, bro, you best be locking your doors. But uh, shout out to Sneaves0426. That's Sam's username. Oh, nice. But I hit him up earlier today, and he's like, yeah, for sure. Use the story. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. shout out to Sam for that story. Thank you. But that's it for me tonight, guys. Be careful of that Ozark howler. For real. Let me close us off tonight. Finish me. All right.
1: We're here with part two of... I don't actually know how many parts there are going to be. <laughs> of Joe versus Elon. So, if you don't recognize this, I suggest going to our previous episode and listening to part one. But, quick recap. Joe is kidnapped and he's sent to the Elon School, which is in the backwood of the state of Maine. And... He is now attempting to escape for the second time. So if you remember. I remember exactly where they are, and I'm wanting to hear what the hell happens. (laughs) Which of his homies rats him out? He runs out while his big brother is dozed off because they're watched while they sleep. And he exits through the back door, and he's hiding under a coat, and... He sees flashlights running by and he waits till they're gone and it's quiet. And he starts crawling across like a turtle. Slowly, <laughs> quietly, discreetly. And he finally hears, Joe, is that you? He lets in and he says, yeah, it's me. And the voice says, I'm trying to get away too. Joe says, you are? And the dude says, trust me.
4: Hell no. Okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So together, Joe and this dude start walking away from Ilan. Can you tell who it is yet? And to the forest. It doesn't sound like it. It's pretty dark. And it feels like Joe can trust this guy. They don't hear anything. Or what they were hearing is now in the distance. So they're talking and the dude asks Joe, "It's like, dude, I've been here so long. What's going on out there? Oh, he's like, man. I know I've only been here what a week now or so. Uh, what What do you want to know about? He's like, oh, uh, music. You know, what's some music going on? He's like, I've been listening to a lot of Eminem.
4: Hell yeah.
1: He's like Eminem, like after the candy. He's like, I guess he can say that. And he's talking to him about Eminem, and they come into a clearing. Is that a lake? And uh, Joe talks about how he remembers how, how beautiful it looked in the night. And now it's a little more visible because of the moon lighting up the lake. And they're out of the woods. And as he's purveying the area. fuck you, Joe. Boom. Right in the back of the head. <laughs> Knocked by this dude. It's been two weeks since that night. And Joe was sitting facing the corner of a room. This corner was basically like if you imagine the dunce in school, who wears yeah. the hat. The corner was designated for some of the worst people, it was punishment. And Joe was already there for two weeks. And what the, the corner entailed was just yourself and the chair, nothing else. You had to sit straight up, your back upright. If he slouched, the support person, the SP, which was a higher strength or a high strength at Ilan, would yell at you, sit up. So you're monitored 24-7 if you were in the corner.
3: So he couldn't even sleep or?
1: They had a bed and he had to sleep facing the wall. Couldn't look around. He had to eat his, his food right there. They brought it to him. But it was literally just two walls right in front of your face. Just sit there. <laughs> Joe talked about how the corner felt like the Stanford prison experiment meets high school. No work, no school, literally nothing but the, you in the corner. So he's there for two weeks, falls asleep, and he's awakened by loud whispering. And he's thinking, oh, those are probably you know the guards or the, the SPs switching shifts. You know, in the middle of the night to keep watch. But they're catching up for a little bit. And he hears, dude, what do you think about tomorrow? Oh, the ring? I said, oof, the ring's going to be brutal. Yeah, I bet you Matt is pissed. If you remember, his, bro- his big brother is Matt. Right. So Joe's thinking, what's going on tomorrow? What's the ring? Why is Matt pissed? The whispering stops and uh, Joe goes back to sleep. He wakes up and can hear the movement in the halls. And he's like, oh, it's probably morning. And in walks Ron. Remember Ron? One of the older dudes who helps run Ilan. Big, intimidating guy. Ron sits down with John. And he starts dialoguing about how Ilan is so different. From what it used to be. And Ron says, you know, there's a lot you don't know. A lot you don't understand. Like what? Ron says, I came to Ilan just like you. Turned in, I didn't know shit. And at one point I accepted that. But coming to accept that took a lot. A lot of work. The man who started Ilan was a lot more harsh to the kids here and what you guys get now. He said, I remember coming to lawn, walking into the building, and all the windows were boarded up with plywood. Everyone was given a bucket to piss and take crap in, and we would do it in the dark. <laughs> he said, sometimes that same bucket was used for the electric sauce. He said, the electric sauce was where everyone through ketchup and mustard, cigarette butts, trash. And if you resisted at Elon, electric sauce was poured all over you in front of everyone. Ugh. And very often, it contained the piss and the shit that you left in there. That was just one of the things that happened when I, I first came to Elon years ago. Other things included being spanked by everyone sounds silly but when you act like a baby you're treated as a baby he said they also used to use straight jackets and they keep you in a straight jacket for however long they felt like <sighs> you're not going to get any of that today Joe looked at him what am I getting he said, today you're leaving the corner and you're entering the ring now put in this mouth guard
3: Let's go, mate. Fight
1: club. So Joe puts in a mouth guard and Ron tapes gloves to his hands, walks him through the hallways and walks him into a room where everyone is sat around on the edge. And in the middle was a ring of the biggest dudes at Elon. Now, there's actually a video of an interview with I think the founder or one of the main coordinators of Elan speaking of the ring and what it
0: entailed. The in Massachusetts will no longer send their youngsters here because they object to the way the children are treated. One reason is the use of physical punishment. Joe, you make no bones about it. There is corporal punishment here at Elan. Tell us about it. What are the stages it comes in? Who's it administered by? Well, it's it's administered by the kids, first of all. Corporal, it's a, uh, it's a harsh term, okay? What it is, is we have the ring, okay, which uh, everybody misinterprets. It's, it's not a boxing ring, it's a ring of human people. Youngsters who are accused of being bullies are forced to fight continuously against a series of opponents until they are beaten. The bully is introduced as what he is. In this corner, is the bully who's trying to turn this facility into a detention center, okay? And in this corner is the house champion who's gonna show him why it can't be done. And that's exactly how it does. And we never allow the bully to win. But uh, girls get put in the ring, too. Well, girls bully as well as boys do. I mean, you know, it, it doesn't, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're a uh, equal rights facility. So, uh, <laughs> we also use spanking, positive. which is symbolic. Again, it's a last resort. Okay, and it's and it's one resident spanking another resident, and it's done with a ping-pong paddle. Okay, and uh, usually a person won't get spanked more than once or twice. I feel like he's giving too many thing, details. If going to act like a baby, you should be treated like a baby. Well, when they spanked me, I mean, they didn't have to spank me, so I turned black and blue. Gross. Well, damn. Super gross.
1: But here we have Joe walking towards the ring A room silent the ring opens up to joe nowhere to go except inside so joe walks into the ring and in the ring with him gloves taped to his hand is matt his big brother and those dudes talking last night they were right he was pissed matt because he dozed off let joe slip underneath his eye and was forced to scrub the floors for those two weeks, do the worst jobs uh, as punishment. So here we have Matt, two weeks of just pure rage, (laughs) wanting to deal it to his little brother. Also in the ring with them was one of the other teenagers, which Joe realized acted as, I guess, the announcer. Let's get ready to rumble. (laughs) And he yells out to the room, In the left corner, we have Matt, one of the high-strengths. All-around good guy. Make some noise for Matt. Everybody cheers. Yeah. Yeah. F.M.O. Matt. Yeah. In the opposite corner, we have Joe, who's attempted to escape Ilan. Boo. Everybody boos. You piece of shit. Screaming at him. Nerd. (laughs) He says, "All right. The rules, pretty simple. Two-minute rounds." And we go until you drop. No donkey punching. No punching in the genitals. And a minute break in between rounds. When I say ding, you start. When I say ding again, both of you stop. Are you ready? Everyone screams. Ding. They start decking it out. Matt and Joe just trading punches. And before they knew it, ding, they stopped. Joe's a little winded, but he's feeling alright. Matt leaves the circle and walks another teenager with gloves on his hands, and he's a little bigger than than Matt. <laughs> After a minute, which went by really quickly, ding, they start decking it out. Joe's starting to get pretty tired, but he still has some punches left in him. Ding. Round two, finished. That dude leaves. A minute later, a bigger dude walks into the circle. Fresh pair of hands. Ding. They start going. Joe's really tired. He can still get a couple punches in, but he's starting to take a beating. Ding. Round three, over. Round four, same thing. New fighter. They start fighting. Joe gets decked in the, in the nose. Starts bleeding. Round four is over. Joe's pretty tired. Round five, a new dude, and Joe can barely get a couple punches in. He's exhausted. He's fighting newer and bigger guys. It's an uphill battle. Round five finishes, and he's ready to fall down. Round six about to start, and in walks Matt for his second round. Joe standing there, hyperventilating, bloody to face, can barely stand. His vision starts to get blurry, and Ron yells out, "Help the man out!" Two dudes rush to Joe's side and hold him up by, by his arms. And Ron says, "All right, Matt, this is your time. Teach him what he needs to learn." Matt, looking at him, looking at Ron back at joe he's exhausted i don't think this is a fair fight ron said you teach him the lesson that he needs to learn after a few seconds of thinking matt replies no i don't think i will
3: oh what a homie dude
1: as he says that joe's looking at him thinking you idiot You're saving me, but you're not saving yourself. Ron, pissed. General meeting. Dude, this is brutal, man. Yeah. Out comes the broomstick. They lay it on the ground, and he yells to everybody, get your feelings off. Everybody sprints to Matt, screaming at his face, so upset. Towards the end, Joe's watching all of this, and Ron says to him, don't think you're off the hook. You're going to join in on this general meeting, or you're going to get one yourself. So Joe's confronted with this this problem of screaming at this dude who just showed him mercy. He doesn't want to, but he doesn't want to get screamed at even more. So the last person is Joe, steps up to the plate and gets his feelings off screaming Matt you worthless piece of shit joining in with everyone else after a few minutes of screaming at the top of his lungs Ron looks pleased he's happy with the outcome of this the next day they're eating Joe's no longer in the corner and he hears from the top of the stairs Joe come and knock so he walks up he knocks and he's confronted by the same four individuals that Gave him the orientation. And they say, Joe, yesterday, you know, you showed us that uh, you really wanted to be here by, by following the rules that we've set. Participating in that general meeting was a big step for you. And we want to reward you for that. We have decided to give you a regular shirt. It's been a month. Joe's been wearing that bright yellow shirt and pink shorts for that whole time. It's like, we've decided, we've decided to give you regular clothing and your shoelaces back. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah. There's just one more thing. You have to cop to your guilt. So copying to your guilt was the term they use when they give you a piece of paper. You write down all the things you did wrong. After you did that, they reviewed it. They feel that it was honest, earnest. Then you were good to go. It was like your atonement along with the other punishments that you went through. But this was one of the final steps or the final step, at least for Joe in this situation. So he writes down all of his things, pretty long list. And on the list, he says things like, I think about my family more than I do about how Ilan is helping me. You know, really, you can tell he's he didn't want to write these things, but these are the things that they manipulate you to write just to fit their agenda and to appease them. Other things included, I look at a few girls when I shouldn't. Anyway, this list of 8, 9, 10 things are on paper, and he submits it. They take out a red pen. They start making marks. They give it back. They say, you need to revise these. So they make him rewrite it. And one of the things was they crossed out girls, and underneath they wrote, we need exact names of girls that you look at. So just being really detailed with his guilt, you know? So he makes his revisions and he turns it in and they're like, thank you. We're gonna review this, we'll let you know. So he leaves, goes back to the dining hall, finishing up his food real quick. And lunch is over. They get called outside. This was a privilege that only happened once a week. Only if everybody followed the rules. One person didn't follow the rule or broke a big rule or something then it would be taken away from everyone. So this was the only time that they were ever outside. And when they did go outside, there were specific parts where it was pretty easy to run away. Of course, these were all guarded by high strengths with clipboards, watching the thing, writing down, recording their every move. And some kids would just run around in circles in the yard and get out some of their frustration. And... Felt like they, you know, they can enjoy the space, you know, and being outside just by running. Some kids just sat outside under a tree and read. Reading was something that was a privilege there. They'd try to escape there. They still couldn't really talk to each other. They had to do their own thing. And uh, they had been out there for a little while. And Joe was like, we're probably gonna, thinking to himself, we're probably gonna go inside soon. And he sees maybe 20 yards away. One of the other non strengths. And he gets his toe and he writes something in the dirt. I'm stressed. And he looks at Joe as he's writing it. He finishes and he walks away. Joe, trying to play it casual, looking around. Everyone's watching your every movement. So he walks up to where the kid was and takes a quick glance at what he wrote down on the ground. On the ground was two letters, R-A, and then a question mark. And Joe just kind of throws himself on the ground, lays down on the grass, and looks at the sky. And discreetly, with his foot, just kind of erases the evidence while he's on the ground. R-A stood for runaway. Joe's thinking, does this kid want to run away? Is he asking me to run away? Are we trying to do this together? And he sits up and he looks and the kid is across the field and he's looking at Joe. He nods his head once. Joe's looking at him, replies with a nod. He's like, I think we're going to try to run away or something. So at that moment, they hear the call to come back in and they form a single file line and he's watching this kid's move or movement kid doesn't do anything he walks inside with everybody it's like all right i I just need to watch out keep my eyes open uh see what happens and kind of follow follow suit he said this kid was a non-strength and was also new and just looks scared and nervous every time he's seen him so he's like this kid can be some like a rat or you know like the kid who caught me in the force that night They get in. That kid's name's Nathan. Not Ramsey Bolton. (laughs) He knows that because as soon as they get in, somebody yells, Nathan, come knock. Walks up the stairs, goes into the room. He's in there for 20 minutes or so. Nathan returns, and behind him is Ron. And Ron yells, house in the dining hall. Most people are already there. Everyone else makes it in pretty quick. Ron Looks at Joe. Joe, you've got some nerve. Come to the front. Joe starts walking to the front and he was thinking about how he was just outside. And how good it felt to see the sky feel grass, be in the sun. He thought about how that freedom was weaponized against them. These are things that any normal person should have at any time. They weren't treated like normal people. He he remembers thinking, how Elon didn't didn't give out release dates. Said you just fell through Elon. You were there for three months, and then three months became eight months, and eight months became eighteen months. Joe said that you didn't have a sentence like an inmate handed out by a judge. He said having a sentence seemed to be like a privilege, and we were below criminals in that aspect. He's walking to the front, and he's looking at everybody there, just thinking how crazy his life is right now. In the month that he's been there, he's gotten to know a good handful of the people there and their previous lives. He said there were kids there who were young, 13 years old, and their only crime was just being unfortunate in life. They were orphans. Terrible foster parents sent them here. He said, in the same room, there were kids who were sex offenders and they were sh- sent here straight from juvie. All of them mixed together, none of that mattered. They were all in the shithole together. Ron says, I'm not going to give you a general meeting, but you need to apologize. Jill's like, oh, this again. You know, he had to do that day one for trying to run away. He's like, you have to apologize for all of your guilt. And he has the piece of paper where he wrote down all of his guilt. He said, apologize to these specific people for everything. So he starts apologizing and tries to be as sincere as possible because he just wants this to be over with. He calls out some of the girls that he was looking at and... Ron told them to get their feelings off on him. Those individuals, not the whole room, like a general meeting, but the individuals that uh, uh, were involved in his guilt. The girls were screaming at him. You're such a piece of shit and disgusting. Even if we weren't here, we would, you would never have a chance with us. Things like that. And as he's apologizing, Joe starts to believe that he's actually sorry. Sorry. these things for looking at these people he's starting to turn he's running through the list when he's finished ron calls out he says is there anyone else who would like to say something to joe nathan comes out and he says joe please stop asking me to run away with you can't you see that ilan is here to help us to save us a little snitch dude (laughs) and joe snaps out of it he just turns primal and starts to sprint at him he wants to hurt nathan it's too late because two higher strengths grab him by the arms he doesn't care he's still trying to break free and say you lying piece of shit you're the one asking me to run away with you just cussing him out it's so upset Ron says, you're not getting your shirt, you're not getting your laces, you're going back to the corner. Ron goes to one of the rooms, comes back out with a piece of cardboard, starts scribbling on it with a sharpie, has a string around it, and puts it over Joe's neck, it's hanging from his neck and it's over his chest. And it says, in big words, fragile, underneath, ask me why I'm a giant baby. Handle with care. And he tells Joe, you act like a baby, we're going to treat you like one. And if you keep acting like this, everything you eat will come from a bottle that you have to suck on. He says, boys, tie him up. So they tie him up, tie him up like a hog, and you're going to eat your dinner like that. So they grab his legs and they grab his arms and they tie it all in one behind his back and they have a few more guys help carry him they take him to one of the upstairs room one of the upstairs rooms with the corner and joe writes the most infuriating part of being in a lawn all of this occurred less than 10 feet away from an unlocked door to the outside as i was dragged up the front stairs by two large teenagers i realized how truly helpless i was Because it wasn't the doors and the locks that kept us in Ilan's control. It was bigger than that. Our house and everyone in it was part of a larger organism. A single-minded system that could only successfully run on sweat, hatred, and blood. I realized that the only way to understand that system was to become a part of it. To study it from the inside in order to destroy it. The next part of Joe's story, I will be sharing next episode.
3: Hey (laughs) yo. Dude, this saga is brutal because it is, it's true. It's not like you're hearing it and you're like, dude, there's no way. But it's been cooperated by so many people who have substantiated like what went on in this school. It's hard to hear.
1: It is hard to hear. It's hard to hear how capable some humans are
3: and there's still like pockets of that that exist
1: for sure
3: like things are coming out Paris Hilton is talking about the school she went to and the abuse that went on there you know I don't know it's crazy oh damn
1: I hate having to wait I think this is so lame (laughs) crazy thinking of uh the reality that this this kid uh had you know his his life for I don't know a few months could be a couple years there's a lot that I left out too. So if you want to go and read this for yourself, uh, you can go search Joe vs. Elon. It's a webcomic, beautiful illustrations, pretty straightforward, uh, incredible writing by Joe himself, and it's ongoing. There's still chapters that he's writing, and I think he releases them like once a week. Currently, he's uh, like chapter 55 or 6, so... I'm doing them in 15 chapter increments. So I just finished chapter 30. Um, but there's a lot more that happened within, you know, this part two that I shared that I didn't share. That's in the webcomic. So you can check that out for yourself. Wait till next week for the next update. But uh, yeah, that's me. Hey. That, that's Joe.
3: Dang, dude. Tonight was fun. I liked the the stories we covered. Uh, guys, I have one more thing tonight.
4: Oh, little special ad here.
3: In doing some research, I want to share just a quick story with you. Okay. Down in Brazil, there's a college student named Bruno. Bruno is a super smart kid, intelligent. I think he's studying philosophy. He's into mathematics, science, and he does a lot of research on his own. Bruno becomes pretty obsessed with a particular philosopher. And dives into all of his work. Bruno starts working on a project where he's writing a manifesto. A 14-part manifesto that he encrypts in his own code. Bruno's mom and I think sibling go on a trip. And they're going to be gone for like 30 days. Before that trip, Bruno hits his mom up and says, Mom, I'm working on something that's going to change the world. It's going to change the world for better. I'm very close. I need your help. His mom's a little concerned because she's noticed he's started to go without food. He's starting to lose a ton of weight. So after a lot of reassurance and like, can you tell me what it is? He's like, no, no, no. I I can't tell you the specifics. I'm so close, but I promise like this is good. This is for good mom. I'm going to get better. This is good mom. She says, sure. What can I do? And he goes, I need (laughs) $6,000.
1: It's just a multi-level marketing. (laughs) Be your own boss,
3: babe. Mom's in a hard position though. Because she's like, I love my son. I don't know. Is this going to push him further down this weird path? Like, you know, maybe this will be it and he'll be done. She knows she's about to leave. So she's like, okay, here's the money. She goes on a trip. When she comes home, she enters her house. Bruno, no answer. Goes to his door. Knocks on the door. No answer. Opens the door and finds... Bruno's room has been completely transformed. Furthermore, Bruno is missing. And the rest I will be sharing on Patreon for our patrons. (laughs) So if you want to hear what's up, go to patreon.com slash the 3am pod, become a patron where you'll have access to an extra story a week. We appreciate all our patrons. honestly, With them is why we can still do this podcast and continue to grow. So we really appreciate all you. Um, Parabens for hey hey, hey. parabens bravo say or whatever for the regular asses. uh, Thank you. That's it tonight. And for our patrons, head over to Patreon or just go to the
1: bonus episode. Trust your gut, watch your back. Love you guys. Thank you so much.
3: Yep. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Until next week, guys. Be careful out
2: there. Yeah.
4: Submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So, file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Judy
0: was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months. As a con man.
4: That is my sister, Emma.